Coming up, I'm going to tell you why you need to cut more people out of your life. It'll make sense, and it applies to all of us. And then we're going to look into the latest employee engagement numbers in this country and explain those. Let's go. All right, this is the show that's dedicated to help you grow personally so that you can advance professionally once you win in your work life so that you win in every other year of your life. All right, let's talk about this. Is there anything more important to winning and losing in your life than the people you spend time with? The answer is no. We'll get into more of that in just a second. And so here's the deal. I'm going to make a uh, provocative statement here right out of the gate. I think for those of you who aren't where you want to be in any area of your life, I can tell you one of the things you got to do is limit the number of friends you have and limit the friends you have. There it is. That's the statement. You need to limit the number of friends that you have. Why? Because they have a huge, huge impact. Now, to get this kicked off, uh, I want to go back into the uh, interview machine. We've been privileged to have a lot of great conversations with some really, really successful people. And uh, I'm going to go back to one of my favorites, Alex Hermosi, who I did not know much about previous to our conversation, did a little crash course. But I thought, well, this is fun. It's kind of like having coffee with somebody you don't know, but you hear good things about them. And that's what this was. But I want to go to a part of the conversation where he talks about this very issue. And as usual, Alex has a way of just kind of cutting out all the fat and going, here's the meat. Watch this. Harvard. <laughs> Of course, everybody knows Harvard. Uh, they've they have got the longest study ever done on relationships. They follow people from birth to death. People are still in the study and alive, of course. And um, one of the uh, professors who uh, was leading the study said this, that the study proved to them with data that is indisputable that 95% of our success or failure in life, Alex, is directly related to the people we spend the most time with. Uh, thoughts on friends in your life, people around you, how guarded are you? And I don't mean like from a privacy standpoint, yeah. but I mean with your time. No. So I am, I am, and maybe it's cause I'm still young. Um, but I am pretty ruthless when it comes to the people that I have in my life. Yeah. And I tend to have a relatively contrarian view on relationships. Um, which is that I do believe that all relationships are transactional. Um, it sounds it sounds hard to say, but if you never got anything positive at some point, most humans will will cease to continue the relationship. And so for me, when I look at the relationships that I have, I try to cut off the backside, which is I don't want to make keep a relationship because I have always had it. I don't want to give value to something because it has existed. Mm-hmm but only insofar as it will continue to add value and more so that it is aligned with where I want to go. What would you say your circle of close friends is right now? What would you, what's the number? How many, how many people, if I'm hanging out with you and I, and I'm around you 30 days and I go, okay, he's got three close friends. He's got five, seven, 10. What is it? Three. Yeah. That's, that's what the data shows. Let me ask you this. How many of those three close friends go way back more than 10 years? That's what I thought. My wife's seven, if that counts. No, but. it doesn't count. She's your wife. We can't, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, then two. <laughs> two. Okay. Yeah. Okay, two. Okay, I love that. I mean, now, I will tell you, I, I, I go back in there and I put myself back in that interview. When he first said all relationships are transactional, I recoiled a little bit. Okay. 
but I understand what he's saying. Uh, and he's provocative. So to the extent and how he meant it in that it is an exchange, a committed exchange that it's iron sharpening iron. Uh, I, I agree with him. So he mentioned just there at the end, having only two truly close friends, not including his wife. Now, that might not seem like a lot, but I think it's actually really realistic. In fact, I remember seeing some data not too long ago uh, that, that that is absolutely probably right there in the middle. I mean, most people, if you think about high school friends and college friends, and when that all settles out, we move on in life, Really, that two to three close friends is is pretty consistent. And, and I don't think in any way a problem. I'm not sitting there going, oh, we need five to seven or ten to fifteen. It's not like I think that's a problem. Here's why. I don't believe that you can have deep, and there's the two adjectives here, deep and committed friendships with a huge group of people. And I think that what is what defines true friendship. As Alex said, transaction, okay, the transaction is there's some depth. There's some depth. We're going deeper. We're not just talking about the latest movie or show we're binging on Netflix. We're talking about our kids. Challenges going on. I had coffee with a guy this morning. In fact, I'm fresh off of a, a 90-minute coffee with a guy who is like this. And let me tell you something. I cried at coffee today. You know why I cried? Because we went deep. We went deep. And that's a guy that I feel like, I didn't try to cry. Some of you guys in the booth are laughing or whatever. You better not be laughing. Because I'm going to tell you something, there's nothing more masculine than being able to be transparent and raw with another dude who understands and been through and going through what you go through. So there it is. There's the depth. And then the second is committed. There's depth. There's this exchange there. There's value. There's love exchanged. And then you're committed to keep walking with them. That's what a friendship is. So you need to focus the majority of your time on just a small number of quality friendships. Don't overspend your time on maintaining acquaintances or loose connections. I love acquaintances, loose connections. That's where things happen. But connecting for the sake of opportunities looks a lot different than intentional time with friends. By the way, I do both. But see, I believe friendships are truly defined by that commitment to walk with them and equal value exchange, to love them, to pray for them, to help them, to cheer for them, to, to, to promote them, to spend time with them. Now, that means that we have to be extremely careful. I mean, like, careful. Like you would if you were walking on ice. Careful. We just had a bunch of snow and ice here in the middle Tennessee area. We don't get it very often. I was reminded of how careful I need to be just walking five feet to my car. What am I doing? I'm slow. Methodical. Walk with me here, right? We're walking on ice. I'm slow. I'm watching where I take the step. That's the same thing with who you're spending time with. You know, I asked Alex there, are you do you guard? He smiled big. Yeah, like truly successful people guard their time and guard the influence that is on them. Like they're walking on ice. Got to be careful. Now I mentioned that study in the interview. Harvard uh, professor Dr. David McClellan was the guy who said this, and this is the exact quote. 
the people who habitu- who you habitually associate with determines as much as 95% of your success or failure in life. That means you've got to be very careful. Take inventory. Now, let me tell you what I think a good friend does. I think there's three things that a good friend does, and this is the, the practical, how do we know it's deep and how do we know it's committed? These three attributes. And by the way, as you hear this list, this is what you need to be for people. How can you expect people to be a friend to you if you aren't a friend to them? Here they are. A good friend, a true friend, pushes you. Here's what I mean by that. They've set their own pace. And that pace is quick. It's quicker than where you are at times. Sometimes it's just a really good pace that you'd like to stay at too. It's like going out and running with a good runner. They're going to set a pace and you're going to try to stay with them. They push you by the way they live their life. They just model the way. They lift you when you're down, when you're hurting, when you need a cheer, when you need you know someone to lift your arms up. Come on, you got this. And then third, they hold you accountable. They know the life you're trying to live. Birds of a feather flock together, and, and you're going, hey, I'm struggling. So they they challenge you. They don't just push you as in the, the pace. They don't just lift you and hug you and encourage you and cheer for you and pray for you and all those things. But they also speak truth in your life because that is what defines a good friend. They're for you, and you're for them. Now, I'll tell you the opposite. The wrong friends, some of you got some friends that are destroying you from the inside out. Not because they're being mean and, and cutting and unkind, but because they aren't pushing you. They aren't lifting you. They aren't holding you accountable. I'll just say this. I have got friends in my life, and Stacy and I have a couple friends in our life that do all those things for us. We are very intentional. We have three teenagers. I got limited time. The people we have dinner with, the people we vacation with, the guys that I hang out with, they all fit that description. Why? Because they have tremendous influence on me. And when you are focused and disciplined and careful to have the right people in your life, the right things are going to happen. It's that simple. That's it. The right people in your life will increase the right things that happen in your life. Think about it. This is the Ken Coleman Show. Hey, high school seniors and parents of high school seniors, it's almost graduation time. And if you're not sure about next steps, I want you to listen to this. Coding skills are essential in today's workforce. And my friends at Bethel Tech can help you start a new career really fast and do it cheap. It only takes nine months to complete a Bethel Tech course in UI, UX design, full stack development, data science, or cybersecurity. And your young person can get over a 1,000 hours of experience in a collaborative environment and then get placed. The average starting salary for a junior developer is $66,000. And the field is projected to grow by 22% over the next five years. Software development is a career with an enormously bright future. And right now, Bethel Tech is offering you 10% off if you watch or listen to the Ken Coleman Show and you pay cash. So go to BethelTech.net slash Ken Coleman. BethelTech.net slash Ken Coleman right now for details. Terms and conditions do apply.
right, uh, let's have a real conversation here for a second in the form of a question. How many of you out there listening and watching feel as though you've hit a lid? Maybe you've been applying for stuff, nothing's happening. Maybe um, you've been passed over. You feel a little bit lost in the sense, alone in a sense, right? Just I, 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 opportunity's not coming my way, Ken. I'm a little frustrated to feel like everybody else is moving and I'm hanging out in the middle of the road. If that's you, I want you to hang out with me. It's free. Tuesday, February 20th, 12 Eastern, 11 Central. What are we going to be doing? We're going to be talking about the proximity principle, how to turn connections into opportunities, where opportunities knock on your door. It is a principle that is alive and well and extremely doable. It's a free hangout. I'm going to teach you, illustrate it, and then answer your questions how you can apply it. Visit KenColeman.com slash webinars, KenColeman.com slash webinars. Reserve your free spot. Again, that's Tuesday, February 20th, noon Eastern, 11 a.m. Central. Tell a friend, family member about it. It is free. Why wouldn't you do it? Uh, Also, if you're enjoying the program, would you help us spread the word? You can do that by liking the video with a thumbs up right there on YouTube, subscribing to our channel, and sharing that if you're listening via podcast, a follow and a five-star review would be awesome. All right, let's talk about a growing problem for you and for leaders. And some of you are leaders. So this is like right in your grill. New data out. 33% of employees are engaged, which means if I've got my math right, let me take my shoes off. That means 67% aren't. Whoa. What? Well, again, if you're new to this program, maybe this is a surprise to you. If you're not new to this program, not a surprise, and this is not a surprise to me. In 2023, this is the latest numbers for my friends at Gallup. They do this poll every year, and the numbers have stagnated and stayed. I guess that's the silver lining. But the number has hovered between 66-68% for at least a decade of workers, U.S. workers, who aren't engaged. Now, if I were to walk out on the street with a camera and a mic, and I would ask people to describe an engaged worker, what would people say? I'm going to put my producer on the spot. Alex, just off the top of your head, don't try to be awesome because you're already awesome. Describe in 20 seconds or less right now how you would describe, because you lead people, you lead a team. You have led a team before you got to Ramsey. Describe to me, 20 seconds or less, what an engaged worker looks like to you. An engaged worker is somebody who is, they're on time, they're listening, they are in meetings, they have things uh, put away, like laptops and things like that, so they can listen intently, and they're enjoying what they're doing. Yeah, very good. Now... We could do that a thousand times and you would see elements of what Alex said. It would just be over and over and over. I mean, in other words, they give a crap, right? I, mean, I could I could sum it up by going, they give a crap. They're there to do a good job. Even on their worst day, maybe they mess up. Maybe their personal life is in shambles. Maybe they don't feel well, but they still give a crap. That That's what it means. That's that's an engaged worker is they show up 
and they care enough to do a good job. They want to do a good job, right? Come on. It's not that difficult. You look at a student in a classroom, and I can tell you if they're engaged or not. It's not difficult. Come on, folks. So this is pretty amazing when you think about this. Otherwise, good citizens. I mean, they're not derelicts of society. Otherwise, good people not engaged in their work. Like, they don't give a crap. Now, on the surface, you could say, well, maybe they have a character problem. I don't think it's that simple. I I think that people with good character can be in an environment to where they don't give a crap anymore. Which is to say their mental and emotional health is in such a place to where they go, I'm just trying to make it through. Quiet quitting. That's where it comes from, right? So this is, again, a consistent piece of data. Okay? So a couple of things to highlight. All right? The numbers haven't changed at all. But we've got new ways of talking about this, which I think is a true alarm going off for leaders. The percentage of actively disengaged workers has declined. That's some good news. Now, actively disengaged is this is the loud quitters. This is the people walking around with their butt in the air and they're all angry and, you know, trying to cause dissension and problems like that. Now, that number has dropped, which is good. And I think what's happened there is uh, people are worried now coming out of the Great Resignation, a little bit more unsure with inflation and costs going up. I, I may be a quiet quitter, but I'm not going to be a butthole loud quitter. And so maybe I'm going to get my act together, right? There's a little bit of uh, CYA, if you know what that stands for, right? Like, I, I'm just going to cover my butt and I don't want to get fired, okay? That that attitude was very different for a lot of people during the Great Resignation because they felt like, well, I can just leave and go somewhere else and everybody's desperate for employees. Well, that has softened, and so I think that's up. So I don't think there's any great thing to cheer about, but I do want to at least pull out that. That's interesting. So what engagement elements have changed the most? Whereas the in total number of engaged employees has pretty much held true. And by the way, that's embarrassing. Can I just say, as a human being, you ought to be embarrassed enough to change your environment. Leaders, you ought to be embarrassed. You got, you're not immune from this, leaders, managers. Listen to me, you're not immune from this. 67% of your team isn't engaged. This is what I want you leaders to be able able to grasp this morning. Do you hear me? Leaders? 67% of your team is not engaged. Now, I understand I'm I'm applying a blanket piece of data, so obviously they're the outliers. So if I'm a leader and I'm a manager, I'm listening and watching this right now, I'm going to ask the hard question. I need to look. I need to pay attention. I know how, with some good old-fashioned, God-given common sense to know if someone's engaged or not, I need to pay some attention here. How many of my team members that I am tasked with leading, the honor to lead, how many of them are engaged? The ones that aren't, why? What's my role as a leader? Because I'm going to tell you something. It's rare that you could look at an employee a team member who is not engaged and not find some responsibility on the leader. Now, there are times where in extreme example, somebody's got problems, they got a lot going on. 
I'm not, I'm excluding that. I'm talking about in the middle here. Come on, leaders. So what does the study show us about where the engagement has changed? And this is what leaders need to pay attention to. The engagement of workers younger than 35 rose two points in the past year. Okay? So that's interesting. Younger workers, they're... They're more willing to move on. They're not committed. They're just dating you. They aren't marrying you, leaders. They're dating you. And so you got to pay attention to that. Uh, of that group, only 45% clearly know. Now, this is this is this is younger workers. We're talking about millennials and Gen Z here, younger millennials. Only 45% of this group clearly know what is expected of them at work. How in the world are they supposed to be committed and engaged when they're not quite sure what's expected of them? Leaders, this is an ex- this is a communication issue. And it's as simple as going, here's one sheet of paper, and it tells you what we expect of you. These are your key responsibilities. And I'm not just going to put it on a piece of paper. We're going to sit down and talk about it. I'm going to make sure you have the training to be able to do what I'm expecting you to do. I want to make sure you know how we want you to do it and when we expect you to deliver it. Come on, folks. It's like teaching your kids how to do a chore around the house. Leaders, you got to get your hands back on the wheel. Um, Employees are still feeling detached from their organizations uh, and are less likely to connect to their company's mission and purpose or to feel that someone cares about them as a person. These are the areas where we see a lack of engagement, disengaged activities going up. Why? Well, let's just look at this. People want to feel like there's a sense of purpose in their work. They're not just showing up and doing something that's a menial task that doesn't have a whole bunch of lofty results attached to it. They want to feel that. You have to tie the company's purpose and mission to them. That means you got to be engaged. And then secondly, they got to know that you care about them as a person, not a unit of production. It's that simple, leaders. Of course they're not engaged. They don't see any greater purpose, and they don't feel like they're cared for and valued. Easy fix, leaders. Get your head out of the sand. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Don't we all need help being better? And they're great at it. You know, we all carry around a lot of stress from our family life and our professional life, and it can just hit us at the same time. Big stuff, small stuff. And we can talk to our friends, or maybe you have a great relationship with a leader at work or a coworker, but you may not feel comfortable telling them everything. I know I wouldn't. And when we keep things bottled up, it will eventually leak out, and it's really negative. But therapy, it's a safe space to get everything off your chest with an unbiased professional and figure out how to work through the stuff that's weighing you down. So if you've thought of therapy before, you're thinking about it now, please try BetterHelp. Therapy isn't just for people who've gone through trauma. It's great to build skills, to become better personally and professionally. And BetterHelp is flexible enough to fit your busy schedule because it's completely online. All you do is fill out a short questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. And you can switch therapists at any time for no extra cost. It's time to get stuff off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Ken today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Ken. 
Welcome back to the Ken Coleman Show. Always love coaching you up. If um, you want to get coached up, you can email the show, ask at kencoleman.com. You need to change your name, location, all that jazz. If it's a sensitive uh, topic or session, we get it. We want to protect you to help you out. Let's go to Isaac now in Atlanta, Georgia. Isaac, you're on the Ken Coleman Show. Good morning, Ken. How are you doing this morning, sir? I'm living the dream. What's going on? Um, so I took your get clear assessment. Um, oh, let me back up there real quick. I apologize. I know I'm trying to keep. You're keep doing quick. great. Um, so I called into the Randy show about a month ago, realized that my life was in shambles and I'm trying to fix it. Um, okay. and part of that is trying to get a bigger shovel, as you say, to dig out of the hole. Um, and I took your get clear assessment. Um, I've listened to from paycheck to purpose. I have the hard copy at the house and haven't had a chance to sit down and read it. Cause I'm working 70 hours a week. Whoa. Um, two jobs. Okay, good. And so, um, just trying to get some, some clarity and understand more of the process of how to put the results of the get clear assessment into action to great. get a result. Okay, great. So the first stage is to get clear and the assessment, the get clear assessment speeds the process up by giving you that detailed report on what you do best. We call that talent, the work you enjoy most. We call that passion and the results that you really want to put into the world. In other words, what motivates you. And so that's mission. So we give you the detailed report. So you've got that. That's about awareness. Then the next step that the assessment does for you is gives you that purpose statement where it takes the words, the one-word description of those three areas, those three wires, if you will, how you're wired, and it puts it in a sentence form so that you can revisit it often and soak on it and then practically use it as a, let's call it a 50,000-foot view of what an ideal job looks like for you, where you're spending most of your day using what you do best to do something you enjoy to produce results that matter to you. That makes sense, right? Yes, sir. So what it does is I it, it is intended, if you use it properly, and that's what you're asking, you need to start filling in the gaps and going, if I'm spending most of my day using these things that I do well, those are your top three talents, to do this work that I enjoy, to produce, then what does that look like? And you start matching up a job description with that purpose statement. And, and there's I, this is where the ideas come from. Don't get hung up on the professional possibilities that we give you in the assessment. Those are nothing more than idea starters, but that's the idea. It's like, okay. So we start to ideate. Have you done that? Did ideas come to you when you read your purpose statement? Um, a couple, yeah. All right, give me those couple. Um, so a counselor of some kind, um, whether it's a guidance counselor at a school or, or a youth minister. Right. Um, great. That's two. What else? Let's see. Um, possibly something in, uh, law enforcement or security, um, because one of the passions is protecting, mm-hmm. um, Okay. Now I'm not going to make you, I'm not going to put you on the spot anymore because this is enough for us to then work through. What do we do next? Okay. 
So what we okay. do is, is we look at our results and we go, based on those results, who are the people that I most want to help? What are the problems or desires that those people have? And then when we look at all of the potential solutions, we're talking about the type of work and the result of the work, what are those that I get most excited about? Okay? And so let's walk through that exercise. And let's not think, let's just feel our answers. Because when we try to get to the end, we get to the destination before we figure out the direction, it just locks our brain up, doesn't it? Yeah. All right. So specific jobs, specific uh, professional lanes, that, that'll that take care of itself. So when you think about your results, who are the people that you most want to help? Just picture getting yep. paid what you need to make, and you're getting paid to help a type of person, a group of people. Who are those people? Young adults to help them not make the same mistakes in life I have. What mistakes have you made that you would like to help others avoid or recover from? Um, just financial decisions, you know, going into life with a better viewpoint on how to handle everything, and then dealing with stress and trauma. Okay. Do you mind sharing high level what kind of trauma you've been through or stress? Um, I had a very rough childhood. Had I, um, my dad wasn't in my life till I was a adult. And yeah. then um, my mom was either always working or when she wasn't working was out partying and left me to take care of my younger brother. My goodness. I, I, you know, I don't want to hang this on you as a label, but I would say the trauma for you is abandonment. Yeah. 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 How has that shaped your heart? Um, I don't know that, that, yeah, you do. How has it shaped your heart? You let me, let me, let me steer you further. How has that experience for you, your environment and your experience growing up, how has that shaped the type of work and the people you want to help? It's made me very, I guess, compassionate to Boom. people in similar situations. Boom. And Boom. That's all I was looking I guess, for. I, I, I wasn't make sense as to why passion is the top talent or compassion. I was is getting ready to ask. You, yeah, what what were the so compassion is talent number one. I love this by the way. Uh, I'll be honest with you. I've never done a coaching call like this one before. Where normally I jump ahead and try to get you there, and I love that you shared it. So compassion was talent number one. What was two and three? Communication and discernment. Boom, boom. Uh, I mean, listen. You have the ability to read a situation and read people. And that's huge. Huge. So it was compassion, communication, discernment. Let me tell you what that screams. There are four types of work in the world. People work, idea work, um, process work, and let's call it object or things work. Your talents are all in the people category. You see that? Yes, sir. Woo! That, that, so that opens up a lot, right? 
Isaac? It does. You were put on this planet to do work that is people-focused. You get that. No doubts. All right, give me the top three passions, work you enjoy. Passions, researching, making, and protecting. Interesting. Researching, making, and protecting. So that screams process and people. Because I don't think making in this situation is 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 about you sitting down and building cabinets. Am I right? No. I mean, yes, you're right. No, it's not about making cabinets. You know what the making is about? What? Processes for people and pathways for people to better their life. That's where the research comes in. You love digging into a problem. You love looking at all the layers of an onion. Am I right? Yes. And then coming up with a solution, yes? Yes. And what was the third passion? Uh, Protecting. That's it. Protecting people from falling into the stuff that you fell into. Protecting them from from that environment and experience shaping the rest of their life. I got to tell you, my friend, I'm not going to put anything else on you. I think you got enough, don't you, right now to, to ideate. I think you've got to be in a coaching, counseling. I don't mean sports coach. I mean you have got to be a guide. I don't care what you look at, guidance counselor, therapist, youth pastor, as long as it's allowing you to take on the persona of a guide or a shepherd who protects the sheep. I think that's your word. And I think if you run every job description and potential future path for you through that purpose statement, and then you pick a different uh, word, I put shepherd or guide, you can pick any word you want. That's how you know it's the right role. You got that? Yes, sir. How exciting is that, Isaac? Very. Go. Go. I feel like I've been in the same rut for years now. Well, you've been in a rut because you you weren't sure of your direction. Now you're sure of your direction. The destination will take care of itself. Love this. That's how it works right there, folks. Isaac, thank you for being so vulnerable with us. You've helped a lot of people today, I promise. This is The Ken Coleman Show. Thanks for listening to The Ken Coleman Show. For more, you can find the show on demand wherever you listen to podcasts and watch the show on YouTube. You can also find Ken across all social media by following at Ken Coleman.